Mr. Snapper. Mr. Snapper. Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of Untwisted, which is a show where we watch Round the Twist and talk about it. Yep. And that's it. That's my intro. <laughs> I'm Josh, by the way. Are you? I'm Jeff. I can't believe we've stuck through it all the way to episode three. Crazy. Crazy. I'm Maz, and um, I'm here. I'm Jeremy, and I'm also here. Yay! Yay! That's the roll call. Roll call. So, hopefully if you're here, you've listened to the first two episodes by now. Yeah, do start at one. We've released the first episode. Yeah, I've got some stats if you want them. Oh yeah, nice. We've got 26 total plays. Oh yeah. Superstars. Estimated audience size is 13. Somehow it's half the plays. Lucky 13. Everyone's played it twice. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 60% of our listeners are Australian. Nice. 33% from the United States and 6% from Finland, which I think is the guy that sent us a message on Facebook, which is pretty cool. Our first ever fan. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) We've gotten lots of messages and we have heard your feedback. I think you'll be happy to know that we are meeting your demands. There will be much less Jeff. (laughs) We heard your feedback about his Pete hate from episode one and we want you to know we've had a strict talking to with him. Yeah, we have sorted that issue. Yes. If you listen to episode two, you've already heard him softening a little <laughs> bit on that position, maybe. We'll see if that sticks with this episode or if he's back to his Pete hate. To the Pete hate. No comment. We'll see. You don't have to spoil it now. <laughs> yeah, that's the excitement of every episode, tuning in and being like, oh man, is Jeff going to hate on Pete this ep? Jeff, right? All right, well, this episode is a good tip for ghosts. It really is. <laughs> A Good Tip for Ghosts is a story from Uncanny, the book of short stories. Indeed. I don't remember reading the story, but I feel like I have because I feel like I probably read all of the Un books at some point in the school library. Yeah, I just remember it because it was two twin boys in the story. Yeah, that does sound familiar. And I'm like, well, that's different. And it made more sense with Pete and Repeat. Repeat and Repeat. So it's kind of interesting how Paul Jennings had to create the premise for this show to cover as many of his stories as possible. Mm. Yeah, true. It's like, all right, well, we need one young kid so we can cover the stories with younger kids. Gotta have one boy, one girl. We need some twins. I will make them twins so it covers the stories where I write stories about twins. (laughs) Has to cover a lot of stuff. Yeah. I have the Wikipedia info, which we all know is not right, but Wikipedia claims it was the 18th of April. So I'm assuming sometime August 1990 was probably the actual air date. In Australia. Yeah. So IMDB actually lists two release dates for Australia and one is that incorrect one. So the other one I'm assuming is the correct one, which is the 26th of August 1990. Oh, that does sound right. Are the ones on Wikipedia the dates for the UK? Because you did say it aired there first. Must be. Although this one says UK 27th of April 1990. Oh, actually, yeah, I think the general idea was that it was like the wrong dates for the UK and Australia. So I don't know where those dates have come from. Someone just pretended they knew (laughs) typed them in. Yeah, maybe. Do you want me to read the description of the episode? Please do. Please. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Pete is challenged to visit the tip at midnight and has to face the ghost that haunts it, who is said to be looking for his grandchildren. My darlings. <laughs> My darlings. <laughs> So first thing I notice, obviously, right away, as you guys had mentioned, the title of the episode is a pun, and it's a pun that I think Jeff and I would not have gotten. And I feel like this is going to become tiresome for <laughs> listeners of, oh, the Americans don't get Australian words and are like, that's not a word here. But guess what? It's still fun for us. So <laughs> tip means dump here. We would call it a dump. That's crazy. As a dad, I find myself over explaining and condescending to my child as we watch it. So tip means a garbagey place. She's like, yeah, I get that. I'm watching the episode. Dad. <laughs> garbagey place. That's a better word for it. So she's catching on to some of it without needing to have it explained. That's right. 
So the very first scene is they're in the car driving to the tip or the dump. Yeah. And I like that we get a callback to the first episode. Yeah. Yeah. Great continuity. Oh, yeah. There's like a continuity thing. Yeah. For when Pete had to get his plate from the sewerage farm. Yeah. It is kind of weird that they like reference Skeleton on the Dunny because I feel like later it seems as though they don't really think that there will be a ghost at the tip Mm. when Bronson is like, oh, it's the ghost. It's like, well, you just referenced that episode. You idiots. Right. Like we discussed before, I think there's going to be a lot of the X-Files syndrome for this show of just like, they shouldn't find this unbelievable because they've already seen ghosts, but... Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting is that Pete doesn't want to go to this place. Linda says, well, we went to the sewage farm with you. And Pete responds with, yeah, and I haven't been able to look at another turd since. See, I thought he said tooth. Yeah, I thought he said tooth. He said tooth? (laughs) But then on the subtitles for Amazon Prime, it says turd. Yeah, but what does Amazon Prime know? I think turd is way funnier. (laughs) As if, you know, turds were fine until that experience, and it's completely ruined turds for him. (laughs) (laughs) I loved them before that. Yeah, he used to spend just day in, day out looking at turds. But it's interesting that they make this callback to the sewage farm plot line of episode one because I feel like the whole plot of this episode of spoilers them bringing the teeth to this ghost is also kind of a callback to that plot line teeth and ghosts are the running themes of round the twist <laughs> teeth and ghosts and poop and poo yeah yeah I was gonna say that and just general dirtiness but you know now that you bring up the whole tooth versus turd thing there were a lot of closed captioning errors that I saw in this episode same and I, I think maybe it's me getting used to the Australian accent sense and the closed <laughs> captioning guy not understanding anything but there were several errors that i caught well my dvd doesn't have subtitles so i cannot relate yeah i actually watched it on prime this time just to see what the subtitles were <laughs> <laughs> and were they worth it out of 10 what would you give the subtitles <laughs> with accuracy like two <laughs> <laughs> so in the car, the kids are like really embarrassed to be going to the tip for some reason. Like, Yeah, I would have thought that would be fun. I would have loved to go to the tip. Yeah, but whatever. <laughs> and like Linda's like, it doesn't matter what other people think. And Pete's like, oh, sure, everybody's doing it. But it's like later, Linda does care. Yeah. This sheds more light on Mr. Twist's artistic process. You know, he's still exploiting these kids. But at least we do see that they go to school in this episode. (laughs) I really love them looking through the dump for things to make sculptures with. It's a pretty great scene. Yeah, that is great. So they arrive and the guy's like $5 for a load. And the dad's like, we're not dumping, we're collecting. And Pete's like, yeah, do you deliver? Do you deliver? And I was like, lol. That was a good one. He seems really pleased with himself too, as he's saying it. <laughs> yeah. And also like when you see them actually in there and Bronson's like holding something and I can't tell what it is. Dad's like, nah, we don't need that. And it kind of looks like a toilet seat, but it's not. That's also what I thought, but I don't think it was though. Yeah, I also thought it was a toilet seat, but I also feel like they would have focused on it more if it were a toilet seat. <laughs> yeah. Like they would have made that a gag and they didn't. I thought it kind of looked like scales. So Bronson, if you're listening... Rodney McLennan, you got to come on the podcast. Tell us, what was that? (laughs) Also, what was in the dragon's mouth last episode? We got to know. Yeah. (laughs) Rodney McLennan, famous for being prop supervisor as well as playing (laughs) Bronson. He'd know. So Tony finds the bagpipe. Oh, yeah. Tony McTwist. Oh, yeah, Tony McTwist. And he puts it straight in his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> what was he thinking? Yeah, continues the great tradition of this show established in episode one of people putting filthy instruments immediately into their mouths. <laughs> their favorite thing to do. Didn't even brush it off. At least this one wasn't visibly dusty. Don't give up your day job, Dad. Oh, yeah, I liked that from Bronson. <laughs> Little Bron. Little Bron. But does he have a day job? Does this count as a day job? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, just being a sculptor. (laughs) Yeah, it's a 24-hour job. Being a dad is a full-time job. I will honestly say, for a first-time bagpipe player, I mean, bagpipes are traditionally in comedy played up as being a very obnoxious instrument, but for a first-timer, he's playing them okay. Great point, yeah. Yeah, I mean, he gets a sound out of them. I think it's kind of hard to get a sound out of bagpipes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And also, immediately after that shot, of him putting the filthy instrument in his mouth. We also get <laughs> Pete kissing the filthy dump mannequin. Yeah. <laughs> and filling her up. And Linda's like, you wish. <laughs> And then Pete makes one of his amazingly bad jokes this episode. Uh, She's armless. She's armless. (laughs) I was just shocked at how much he felt up that mannequin. (laughs) I know. And I couldn't tell if it was the actor or Pete trying to figure out how to hold this mannequin without being rude. (laughs) 
It's like he's trying to pick it up but without touching the area where there would be genitals if it weren't a mannequin. I got a little sense of that, but he also unmistakably grabbed a few parts of that mannequin. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously inappropriate, so I don't know why he's like... So then is this when the uh, the Gribbles show up? Yep. Ah, the Gribbles. So Pete and Linda run behind the ute. They're like, fuck, don't want this. <laughs> Look at those twist turkeys. <laughs> the twist turkeys. <laughs> yes. Can I just point out, I love Linda's hair. It's very 90s. Like, I probably had my hair like that when I was in school, like a little kid. It is pretty great. Yeah, and it's like neon yellow or green. Like, half of it's neon and then half of it's this dark blue. And she's got, like, the top ponytail connected to the bottom ponytail. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those were the days. Ah, Linda. (laughs) Oh, yeah, when Mr. Gribble's driving in and he's got the jumper tied over his shoulders. Oh, yeah. I was, like, laughing at that so much. I was like, what a piece of shit. (laughs) What a piece of shit. (laughs) He probably thinks it makes him more fancy than it actually does. Yeah, I was like, what a rich bitch. (laughs) Also, like, the mum isn't with them, but Gribble Jr. and his friends are there. Oh, yeah. It's like because the mum hates dirt and stuff. She's like, I'll stay home. Good point. She doesn't want to find any rising damp. Yeah. And now they have room for all the kids. They're not making one of them ride a dirt bike. <laughs> yeah. On a dirt bike. <laughs> yeah, I love that Grib's friends go with him wherever he goes. I know. You know, it's pretty nice of Mr. Gribble to, like, take care of all these kids. He's kind of a villain, but he's a good guy. Yeah. <laughs> so what exactly were the Gribbles doing at the tip again? They don't appear to have any trash. They didn't have a trailer behind them. The car is fully occupied with kids. Yeah, once they get there, Mr. Gribble doesn't really do anything. Yeah, it's like they were just like looking for the twists. I noticed in the end credits, there is a scene with him throwing out a vacuum cleaner and then Tony grabs it. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. They should have left that in. Yeah. A lot of the stuff in the credits seems to be stuck that they've like cut for time or something which is pretty cool i really like that jeremy you have the dvd are there any deleted scenes uh no the dvds don't include any special features at all (laughs) Uh, that is so lame no bloopers or anything no damn i was gonna say we could do a whole episode about the bloopers for each season that would be great i would love bloopers from around the twist but we're making a call out to the makers of round the twist if you've got like a blooper reel send it to us and we'll review it but just to us yeah just to us um we'll put it on our patreon (laughs) yeah we'll leak it to the messes we'll be seen as heroes So after Pete and Linda are like, this is really embarrassing. There's a shot of the skull in the middle of the pond. And it's all like green and brown and dripping. And it says in the subtitles, eerie music. Oh, yeah, and there's weird skull music. <laughs> See, I like the subtitles because it tells me how to feel about the music that's being played. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, this is tense. Good. I like how Tiger is like, because they're talking about how the Twist kids are there, and then Tiger's like, can't wait for him to start school. It's like they're already pre-planning their bullying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Tiger, you know what I realised this episode? What, love? Is that I had Tiger and Rabbit mixed up, and Tiger's actually the small boy, and Rabbit is the big boy. Ooh. Oh, shit. Well, we saw a lot of hate mail over that from episode one. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. We sure did. And don't worry, guys, we heard you, and we're fixing the problem. Jeff is off the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you don't have to worry about his Pete Jibes. No. (laughs) Anytime anyone complains about anything about the podcast, the solution is less Jeff. What if I told you I was confused. I was hitting on Pete the whole time. I just had the names mixed up. It was actually Tiger. I do not like Tiger. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody likes Tiger. That's not controversial. I love Tiger. I love his penchant for commentating everything. Yeah. Well, I just can't fucking win. Enjoy your round the twist circle jerk, guys. I'm out of (laughs) here. Slam. All right, so the Gribbles find a gross item. I don't think we get to see what it is. No, they don't show it yet. And Rabbit's like, oh, yum, tasty. Tasty. And you're like, oh, what is it? And they talk about it's for the Gribble nerve test. And it's like, Jesus, this is very organized. <laughs> I like that it's got a name, the Gribble Nerve Test. It's branded. Yeah. And that's when Bronson comes up. And I was like, sweet, dumb Bronson. <laughs> what do you got there? A special treat for your brother. Oh, great. (laughs) Bless him. Bless you, love. Oh, Bronson. He's adorable in this episode. Yeah. He's been adorable in every episode, but especially here. He's particularly adorable in this scene. So we know now that a dump is a tip. Mm -hmm. Yes. But Bronson also says 
It's really tip, eh? It's a terrific tip, isn't it? I think he says. Doesn't he just say, yeah, terrific? No, he says it's it's really tip. So he's describing the tip as being tip. That's what I got. Are you getting that from the um, subtitles? Because they were very wrong. I don't know. (laughs) It sounded like it's really tip. I don't think it's possible that both Jeff and I heard it wrong and went by the subtitles. I think he has to have said it's really tip. This episode, I, I was a little more cautious with the subtitles. Can we stop recording and watch that little scene and come to a consensus? Okay, I'm pulling it up because we got to know. We got to have it right. Or play the clip and let the viewers at home decide. Yeah, he says, great. It's really tip, eh? I literally just watched it on YouTube. He definitely says terrific. I'm literally just watched it a second ago. <laughs> terrific tip, eh? Yeah, he definitely says terrific. It sounds like he could be saying either. Oh, come on, mate. Look at his mouth. That's a T. That's a T mouth. Yeah, but well, the T is an it's. It's really tip, eh? Nah. Terrific. I can hear the C. I don't know, Jeff, pull this up. Your vote matters here. Are we tied or am I completely overruled? I'm still hearing it's really tip. Yeah. As I just listened to it, I do hear a little bit of a T, like it's truly tip, eh? Yeah, I hear no F. I'm not hearing terrific. Maybe your American brains are making you hear other things. Yeah, it's because they looked at the subtitles that are weird and now that's all they can hear. Terrific tip, eh? Oh no, I heard terrific tip. Yeah, now I hear terrific. Yeah, I... I'm coming around. This time I heard terrific tip. Yes. Because <laughs> I do think Americans listening to our debate, they're going to follow the exact same path as Josh and I, where they're like, these Australians are idiots. It's definitely, <laughs> it's really tip. I feel like people are probably just going to skip this. <laughs> I actually did pull up the YouTube video and turned on the closed captioning. And according to YouTube, what Bronson said was, oh, great. 3k pie. We got some great stuff. Balls, you old sticks. <laughs> what the hell? Well, I guess we were wrong. We've got the evidence of the YouTube caption. Yeah, I think that must be what it is. Turns out it was just a string of gibberish. 3K pie. (laughs) You should put that as one of the images for the podcast for this episode. Yeah, definitely. Also, my one of uh, Pete saying, uh, what are you dong? (laughs) It's not as good, but that's the Amazon subtitle. Good old Amazon. All right, back to the episode. All right, so... We're back with that Gribbles telling Bronson this ghost story um, and how he comes out at night. He's looking for his long lost grandchildren. Medarlins. Medarlins. And Bronson's so gullible. He's so friendly with the Gribble kids, even though they're like already proved themselves to be dickheads. Even though they're the worst. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bronson's not trying to get in the middle of this big kid warfare. <laughs> So we find out here that uh, Pete and Linda are twins. Yeah. Which was news to me. I don't know if they mentioned that previously. That was news to me the first time I saw it. Because I always imagined that Linda was older and Pete was younger. Because that's how it was in my family. So yeah, Pete and Linda being twins are relevant because the grandchildren that old man Chompers, the ghost, is looking for are twinsies. Twinsies. So we've got, after Bronson absorbs this ghost story, he runs up to the side of the U where Pete and Linda are like laying low so that no one can see them because they're embarrassed. And he's like, Pete, these kids really like you. They reckon they've got a surprise for you when you start school tomorrow. (laughs) He really believes it. And Pete's sarcastically like, hey, oh, mate. Uh, We love you, Bronson. Yeah. And then it goes to them leaving and it looks like Tiger blows them a kiss oh, yeah. as they leave. I was like, what? I rewatched it because I'm like, does he do that? It was weird. <laughs> One of the Twist's kids waves and I don't know who it is. Yeah. They were like, see you tomorrow, Twist. And like, there's the hand waving out. And I was like, is that Pete or Bronson? But I think it might be Pete like laying down. I always imagined it was Bronson. It would make more sense for Bronson to give like an enthusiastic wave. But it, yeah. it seemed like it was Pete. I don't know what he was trying to communicate. And then as they're driving out, there's also a little shot of this 80s TV ghost (sighs) rising up out of the bathtub or whatever it is. Old man chompers. Chompers. Can I just say, I watched this episode and like the whole time I just had this great nostalgia feeling running through my veins. It was just like really familiar. This must have been one of the first episodes I saw way back when. And also like I must have read the story that it's based on because I felt like I could remember the story at the same time while watching this episode. It was just really nice. That's how I felt about Skeleton on the Dunny. Yeah. But this one, I enjoyed this one more than I remembered enjoying it, even though I didn't think it was a bad one. But yeah, I could see how this episode could have that nostalgic quality to it as kind of setting up more of the world of the show. 
Mm. Like we see them go to school and I feel like it's got all of the characters in it. It feels like a pretty classic establishing episode of the show. Yeah, and it establishes a couple of possible romantic interests. Indeed. Yeah. That I assume will pay off later on in the series. Well, wouldn't you like to know, Weather Boy? <laughs> Oh, yeah, then it goes to, like, everyone getting ready for schools, schoolsies. Yeah, this is cute. I love this. Skirt looks great. Haha. <laughs> yeah, I love Tony's, like, <laughs> laugh at skirt looks great. And then he just, like, this crazy smile. It's so funny. Yeah, and Linda's like, oh. <laughs> oh, we love Tony. Yeah, and then he goes to Pete. This is my dad. He's like, you're right, gorgeous, because Pete's, like, trying to flatten his hair in the mirror. And then Pete's, like, waving. Does a little cute wave. Like, uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I noticed that Linda has, like, a sticker in her room. Something about Chernobyl. There's a good little background anti-nuclear message. Mm, did not notice. How did that pan out, Linda? <laughs> you could have done more. Yeah, way to not save us from nuclear power, Linda. Nah, she's out there. She's fighting the good fight still. She is, yeah. So we got Bronson on the stairs. Oh, yeah. After Tony's looked in on Pete and he's like, hey, dad, I'm ready. <laughs> and he's like all like disheveled, like his jumper's not pulled all the way down or anything. He looks like only only has one arm in a jumper sleeve and the other one's not in the sleeve. <laughs> yeah. Dad's like, I can see that. <laughs> so then he's driving them to school. Yep. Pete and Linda are like, we don't want you to drop us like right off at the front of school. This was sad. This I could relate to. Oh, Buddy. Bronson doesn't care at all, though. Yeah. He's like, I'll be right. When the car stops, because he, like, screeches to a halt <laughs> and, like, lets Pete and Linda out and you can see all, like, Greenpeace stickers on their car. Oh, yeah, he's got, like, a Save Tazzy's Forest and it's, like, an old-timey Greens sticker before the Greens were a thing because the Greens didn't become a party until, like, 1992. Holy shit. So I'm glad you guys were paying attention to the bumper stickers because I wanted to and I couldn't really make any of them out. Yeah, one of them says, food for people, not for profit. And one of them is like a Greenpeace one. Literally all I could make out was food. But even that was enough to kind of give us an idea of Tony's character. Of course Tony would have that on his ute. He's such a fucking top cunt. <laughs> exactly. Nah, Mr. Gribble's right. This fucking hippie, beatnik piece of shit. Fuck Mr. Gribbles. <laughs> I'll hear not one bad word about fucking Tony Twist. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I was just going to bring up the cute little moment where he's like, I won't come in unless you want me to, mate. And then Bronson's like, no, I'll be right. See ya. And then Tony just looks like he's really proud, but also maybe a little bit sad, like he wanted to come. Yeah, that is a nice moment. But he's like, oh, good on you, Bronson. So I love Tony Twist. I don't know if he's my favorite character, but he's the character I identify with the most. But he has had some bad moments in this episode, starting with picking up the bagpipes out of the uh, garbage dump and immediately putting his mouth on it. And we, we get a really bad moment coming up in this scene. <laughs> Disagree completely. Oh, here we go. We've got a twist. <laughs> the twist is that now all of the Pete hate from Jeff is suddenly directed towards Tony Twist. <laughs> is this some self-hate? <laughs> Ooh, good point. This scene is probably my favorite scene in the episode. I love everything about this. I think Tony is hilarious. <laughs> All right, so Bron meets his teacher and Tony sees her. And then he sees Faye and I put a love heart around Faye. Oh, Faye. Because that's like his face. He's like, oh my God. <laughs> and then he's like, I better come in with you, Bronson. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and there's some like weird like 80s TV romance music. And he's like, you better keep an eye on him. He doesn't have a mother. I was like, whoa, calm down. That bothered me a little bit. It's hilarious. He's just like right off the bat. He doesn't have a mother. He just went straight into uh, playing up the dead wife angle. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I'm a sculptor. I bang things together, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I love that emphasis on the bang. <laughs> It's great. What's great about this scene is how much Mrs. James is not having it with her facial expressions. She is so clearly like, what is wrong with you? But she's also amused. She's not creeped out. She's just entertained. She's like, this dude is crazy. Yeah, she's like this guy. Yeah, he's like, call me Tony. And she's like, oh. Miss James, like, she doesn't give her name. Because when he's like, I bang things together, doesn't she repeat, oh, you bang things together, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I also really like when he says, oh, Pete and Linda, they were embarrassed to be seen with me. And she's like, yes, I can understand that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was savage. There's a weird moment right at the end of that conversation where they repeat 
introducing their names to each other. Oh, yeah. And it's like, is this a weird script moment or is this supposed to be like an awkward character moment where Tony has forgotten that he's introduced himself and Miss James just goes along with it? I think he wants her to like tell him her first name, but she just keeps saying Miss James. Got it. Got it. He's trying to tease it out of her. Yeah. I love when he is walking off and Faye says to Bronson, is he always like that? And Bronson is immediately like, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, after Tony walks away. Oh, he falls into the bins. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So good. Classic physical comedy. (laughs) He falls right into that bin. Yeah, he sinks so far into it. I know. It's great. And then he has to stand up with it. (laughs) Miss James sees it and is just like, (laughs) yeah. But then he sees uh sees Ralph come up and start hitting on her. Mr. Snapper. Mr. Snapper. He's like, you look gorgeous as usual. And I'm like, fucking sexual harassment, mate. Yeah, like, fuck you, Mr. Snapper. No, we have a love-hate relationship with Mr. Snapper. Can't wait to see more of him. He comments on her perfume, I think. What a weird guy. Oh, yeah, this was a bit where the subtitles were fucked that I wrote down. When Tony's wistfully like, Faye, and then the subtitle says, fate. <laughs> wait. So he didn't say fate? (laughs) He was repeating her name. He just found it out. Really? Wow, that line confused me so much. It was like saying it's fate that they're not together, or he thinks they'll still get together because of fate. It was a little awkward to me. That's hilarious. Then we've got a scene of Gribble and his friends are leaning against a wall because they're cool. Oh, yeah. And they make fun of the school bags. I'm like, okay. They do have weird school bags. They're like carrying these weird plastic sort of the kind of things that you would just put shit into if you had no more cupboard space in your house. Oh, this is our favourite line, Gribble gone. It's the scabby twins from the tip, Pete. And repeat. And repeat. (laughs) That is good. Also, because these guys are supposed to be like 15, were people still acting like that at 15? Really obviously bullying. People at my school would have done that. Maybe not this like caricature-ishly, but. I feel like everyone sort of calmed down towards the end of high school. At least where I came from. Also, I'm assuming that the class that Pete and Linda are going to is drama. It's not explicitly stated, but like... I wrote that down. I was like, are they taking a theater class, but sitting in a classroom, sitting at desks? Yeah, that's weird. I definitely wouldn't have taken like a drama class at that age because it seems like it's their first class of the day. It's like one of their main core classes. Mm. Yeah, I was confused by that too because Snapper, he's like their main teacher. He's like the main guy whenever we see Pete and Linda at school but is he just like a drama teacher why are they always in drama <laughs> wait so was that mr snapper mr snapper oh and it was the same guy who goes and hits on Faye earlier yeah. yeah oh okay i thought those were two different guys same the guy who hits on Faye earlier i thought that was like a younger dude maybe he just looked younger because he was so far away yeah it was like from the back yeah pete sees fiona she smiles he smiles what a day for the twist men just love interests everywhere. And you know that Mr. Snapper must be like a strict guy because when they first walk into the class, there's like old kids standing on the desks and throwing <laughs> stuff around. And then they're like, Mr. Snapper's coming. And they all sit down. Those kids were wild. Yeah. And then he makes Tiger recite Shakespeare as a punishment for talking in class. Mr. Snapper also threatens to make him learn Othello next, which I was like, is that supposed to be like a bad Shakespeare? <laughs> I've read Othello. I liked Othello. Yeah, is it more difficult to recite? Yeah. Having to learn like a big segment of text. Yeah, just to have to do another Shakespeare is is bad. Also, the subtitles here for Mr. Snapper call him Mr. Stanhope. Oh, yeah! (laughs) Mr. Stanhope. I thought I heard Mr. Snapper, but then I read Mr. Stanhope and I was like, oh, is this the Mr. Snapper? But then I was like, ah, no, I guess it's not. This is Mr. Stanhope. Oh, well. You put in too much faith in these wrong subtitles. You believe so much in these subtitles. I just, I have a hard time believing they could have gotten it that wrong (laughs) right (laughs) well obviously americans have written these subtitles or like someone whose language isn't australian australian (laughs) if i had played it back i probably would have been like oh okay they're wrong but i didn't at the time i was just like huh maybe i just heard it weird this whole conversation is really demoralizing for me because i was proud of myself because i noticed a few errors in the closed captioning and i thought i'm really getting the hang of australian and it turns out (laughs) many many more important moments i completely missed due to the subtitles (laughs) oh jeff oh bronson 
So one of the best, probably my favorite Linda moment so far here, because the teacher calls her darling. Yes. Oh, yeah. And she calls him sweetheart back. Yeah. Where do you come from, darling? My name is Linda, sweetheart. And the kids are like, oh. That's such a badass move. Yeah, she's so sassy. And he's like, oh, a feminist, hey? Well, you can go and sit with Fiona. You'll have plenty to talk about. So, like, apparently Fiona's, like, a feminist too. It's a really shitty thing to say, but the way he says it isn't so barbed that it feels really horrible. It's just kind of like he's dismissing it a little bit. Yeah. He's not being like, feminist, I hate feminists. He seems like the kind of guy who wouldn't think that teenagers would be able to be feminists because they don't understand the world enough. Right. He would be like, oh yeah, you're a great feminist, mate. And like, just assume that she's like an idiot because he doesn't respect them. He doesn't respect the young people. You're a PC thug. (laughs) I've been called a greasy thug too. (laughs) (laughs) The people are going to be having the best time and then they're going to hear the word feminist and they're going to go, oh, that's it. That's enough. I'm turning this off. Fuck. We do have to be really respectful because I think a lot of the far right folks, they like the old TV because it reflects a simpler time. (laughs) Things are too racy nowadays. Let's watch Round the Twist. Clearly the writers of this show were pretty progressive though. Yeah. True. Based on like all of the bumper stickers and stuff, especially they're like, we want people to know that this family is, I can't say liberal in the US, I would say liberal progressive in future episodes. The characters have some, you know, some little metaphors for current events going on. Mm. I really hope they have George H.W. Bush in an episode, like a really (laughs) bad Australian George H.W. Bush impersonator. (laughs) So Mr. Snapper does a fun thing where he makes Pete play the role of a shy new kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's like, how do new kids walk around or whatever? And Tiger's like, oh, oh, sir, sir. Like, he has to answer, but he gets ignored. I was like, what a funny boy. (laughs) What a funny boy. Also, when Pete does his Gribble impression, Rabbit starts laughing and then yeah. uh, Tiger, like, smacks him in the back of the head with a ruler, but Rabbit, like, doesn't really, like, react. He just stops laughing. Yeah, Gribble gives him a look. Yeah. He's like, how fucking dare you? <laughs> so, guys, I don't want to say I hate Pete. Oh, here we go. But I found this entire scene just confusing. Yeah, it was weird. And I, I didn't really see how he was making fun of Gribble Jr., other than just kind of repeating what he said. But there was no cutting comedic spin on it. Yeah, I know. And yeah, I feel like the rest of the class would have been confused. Yeah, I feel that a bit. I feel like the implication was just that he's inherently ridiculous. Like, he doesn't have to put a spin on it. He's just repeating it. And I think the implication is that the other kids kind of know that Gribbs does this sort of thing with the nerve test. So everyone knows what he's talking about. And that's why everyone kind of laughs at it. And they're just like, oh, yeah, Gribbs doing his fucking thing to the new kid as always yeah i could i could mm. feel that that's fair i'm not going to argue my point too hard because i want the fans to keep listening to uh <laughs> this episode no i also found it a weird scene i was like why why are they doing this yeah i also found it a little awkward we cut to outside and gribble saying oh you think it's funny now and that's when i thought oh was that supposed to be funny i was just confused <laughs> <laughs> actually it is funny when it cuts to that thing of him being like oh you think you're funny and he's like advancing on Pete but in that shot he looks like he's like way smaller than Pete it like doesn't really look very threatening no <laughs> I feel like maybe the funny bit is like oh safe by the bell like they're all these tough bullies but because the school bell rang they have to stop bullying that's kind of funny to me it's like what a lame bully mm. yeah fair enough all right all right all right all right all right all right, all right get on with it. Oh yeah, so then they do the nerve test. He says every new kid has to pass my nerve test but he doesn't make Linda do it. Yeah, but he doesn't see girls as humans because he's the bad guy. True that. Because then Tiger calls him a woman, yeah. What a woman! What a woman! That is so, like, (laughs) ridiculous. (laughs) His commentary and the conviction in what a woman. Like, it's just the worst thing. Yes. (laughs) What a woman! (laughs) I loved it. He was great. This music during the nerve test is amazing. (laughs) The commentary that Tiger is doing is great, but the music during this nerve test is so, like, dramatic. (laughs) I like it a lot. Yeah, and Pete like grabs something out and he just drops it straight away and it turns out it was a pair of false teeth and he's like I passed your test and Gribble's like "Mm, not quite and he's like you have to go back to the tip and Pete's like that's a snack that's a snack and he's like at night it's a midnight snack (laughs) and bring back the skull 
No worries. I loved the it's a snack slash it's a midnight snack routine. I've never heard the phrase it's a snack, but I mean, it's clear to me in American that it's similar to it's a piece of cake. Very easy. I haven't heard the term it's a snack outside of this episode. Yeah. Oh, they made it up just so they could have that pun. <laughs> Probably. I liked how quick Pete was with midnight snack. Well, now it means something different. <laughs> For a second, I thought Pete was calling Gribs a snack. Oh, Gribs, you're a snack. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the other feminist girl, she was watching and I think that's what inspired him to actually do it on the second try. Should we call her the feminist girl? <laughs> Just because Isn't she a feminist? Well, Mr. Snapper makes a little jibe at her that she's also a feminist, but that hasn't necessarily been established as an important part of her character. I think it's probably fine to call her Fiona at this point. Yeah. Uh, I didn't have the name noted. Fiona. Okay. She didn't go off on a manifesto during this episode or anything. <laughs> uh, no, they actually showed that during the end credits. It was a real brief <laughs> shot of her reading a manifesto. You didn't see it. Her and Linda are just plotting to take down the patriarchy together. <laughs> yeah. There was a shot of them burning a brazier and then stabbing a man. <laughs> stabbing a man. <laughs> that escalated quickly. So they have to return the false teeth and to grab the rotting cow skull, some kind of animal skull. It's a cow, I think. They call it a steer skull later. So Yeah, it's a steer. It's a moo cow. <laughs> a moo cow. Oh yeah, then it actually cuts to a real nice scene after that of all the kids hanging out in the lighthouse. Yeah, and Linda's still doing it. Well, it's judo. I was calling it karate, but she says judo later. And she's just doing her moves while talking. Linda is a judo master. I could flatten him any day. <laughs> I love that Bronson's playing the guitar also. Yes, that was a great little touch. Yeah, he sounds better than Pete. <laughs> Why do you need to please that bully? <laughs> Just what I need, a female minder. A female minder. What a misogynist. Yeah, fucking Pete. I have no idea what he means by minder. Like someone watching over him. and Like someone who minds you, like looks out for you. She should have been more pissed at that. Where are your feminist convictions now, Linda? <laughs> Yeah, she's like, uh, whatever. Yeah, I think Linda's just like rolls her eyes at Pete's misogyny. If you want an excuse to hate Pete, Jeff. For all the crap I give Pete, he did not lick those false teeth once during this episode. <laughs> so. I only recognize one poster on his wall, which was Guns N' Roses, and I wasn't sure what the other bands were. Yeah, he had Guns N' Roses. He had The Saints, I think. Yeah. And he had one that looked like a band poster, but I couldn't read what it was. Masters? Oh, yeah. And then Bronson suggests that they should tell Dad, and then he's like, oh, everyone called me Dobber. Yeah. So I want to take a guess at what Dobber means here based on Bronson uses it later on when he's in the tree he says i'm daubing i'm telling dad so i'm guessing that a dauber is like a, a tattletale you got it buddy all right oh mama <laughs> i'm dobbing oh you're dobbed on, <laughs> you're dobbed on. <laughs> snitches get stitches daubers get clobbered <laughs> Damn, that would have been good in high school, Jeff. Thanks a lot. <laughs> After Pete says everyone will call me a dobber, Linda bops him on the head and then she turns around and hops on the bed and then strangles Bronson to death. To death. Shut up, Bronson. <laughs> they're so mean to Bron. And they're like, meh, whatever. This is the moment where she, you know, implies that she doesn't believe that such a ghost would exist, despite the fact that they just encountered a ghost in their own dunny. Come on, Linda, get it together, mate. The odds of two ghosts being around the same area, it's hard to swallow. <laughs> One ghost per town. <laughs> so then Tony's playing the bagpipe up on the balcony again. Sounds pretty good. And he looks down and he sees that Faye's arrived and the bagpipe goes. <laughs> yeah, like kind of keeps playing after he takes it out of his mouth. Just so you know, it takes a lot of effort, a lot of lung power to play these bagpipes and to then run downstairs to this lighthouse. Oh, yeah, true. Tony is very much in shape. Yeah. His run down the stairs is very funny. And I also love the music that plays when he runs down the stairs. Oh, yeah, there's this, like, weird, like, goofy 80s TV music. Also, Faye has a convertible. Oh. Oh, fancy. Fancy for a school teacher. I was like, wow, she's rich for a teacher. Oh, yeah, so then Tony excitedly opens the door, like, excited for Faye to be there, but then it's Nell. <laughs> Oh, Nell. She's just there to steal sugar. And he's like, yeah, in the kitchen. Oh, yeah, she's already walking in. I thought we were, like, maybe going to get a reveal here that Miss James was, like, Nell's daughter or something. But nope, they're just there at the same time. Well, because Nell lives next door. But I was like, does she actually need sugar? 
Or is she just there to be a busybody? Yeah, she saw that there was a lady coming and she was like, what's going on here? (laughs) She just runs up and jumps in front of her at the last moment before the door opens. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and I like how Faye just, like, smiles at her, but Nell's just, like, all grumpy looking at her, like, I'm sus on you. Yeah, she's like, don't you hurt my boy. Yeah. Because they're family at this point. We love that bitch. We love that bitch. Yeah. So Tony McTwist shows her one of his sculptures, the Tree of Life. Yes. And it's terrible. (laughs) This is after he's bashed the bagpipes on the wall a couple of times. Yeah, I love that the bagpipe plays as it's getting (laughs) hit against the wall. It's really funny. (laughs) Again, I don't have, you know, 4K footage of this show, so I couldn't quite make out everything on this sculpture. Just random stuff. There's a branch with a... A miniature Australian flag. (laughs) There's a photograph. A toy car... A piece of metal, a banana, and a flag. And Faye's like, are they always this expensive? And he's like, that one over there is um, twice 7000 And she's like, do they sell for that? And he's like, uh, no. no. <laughs> he's like very quickly, he's like, no. Well, some of that. <laughs> that one from uh, Birds Do. 500 bucks. And Nell's just like behind them and he's like, Sugar's in the kitchen, but she's just like still hanging around. That was low key the funniest moment in the show. Because I think Nell had moved on to the kitchen and then came back. Yeah. <laughs> I guess because she was nosy. And the dad's like all distracted and just trying to like work his magic on the teacher. He's like, uh, yeah, Sugar's in the kitchen. Get out of here. I'm trying to work mojo here. <laughs> and this is when we get the mysterious lighthouse music. The lighthouse music. For a third time. Yes. I like it this time. It seems like this. They're really going to do something about it. They're all hearing it. And Linda's like, we really got to do something about that music. And then they don't. (laughs) Pete just makes a weird joke. Yeah. And he's like, we'll make an album. And then they leave. (laughs) I mean, they've got to get to the tip. They've got the old man chompers. Yeah. They're just like, I'm sure we'll get to it in a future episode. (laughs) I'm sure we'll get to it in about 10 episodes time. (laughs) Yeah, they're busy. I love that Nell says it's the wind. Yeah, still. No one's falling for that, Nell. Come on. But I wonder what um, Nell and Faye and Tony do when they run off. (laughs) Yeah, we miss out on a lot of the dad's adventures, like going to the council last week, possibly banging this week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we don't get any conclusion to what happens with Miss James here. I'm assuming they sleep together. She buys four of his sculptures and then they make love to celebrate. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Obviously. Nell's in the corner. They didn't realize that she stayed. (laughs) Just drinking her tea. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Beautiful shots outside the lighthouse again, though. So we got Pete and Linda, they've run off and it's getting dark and it looks freezing cold. Linda's got a big jumper on, but it doesn't seem like enough. As they run out of the lighthouse, you can see the uh, scarecrow, <gasps> creepy looking scarecrow. Oh, I didn't see that. So that'll come back in a future episode. Yeah, so these kids really love walking. So I have no <laughs> idea how far away they went to get to the tip. <laughs> Probably like right next to <laughs> Well, because they drove to the tip and it's like, it seemed like they'd been driving a while. Yeah, that's true. They might have driven so that they could carry all this stuff back yeah who knows and then they hear a branch snap behind them and they're like what was that and pete's like old man chompers and linda goes rubbish and i was like uh get it because the tip yeah that was a good one good one linda and this upcoming shot here is definitely one of the most hilariously baffling things that's happened in the show so far (laughs) (laughs) yeah this is crazier than ghosts Absolutely. Linda Judo Master just fucking flips Bronson up into a tree. (laughs) Yeah. Of course she does. She's a bad bitch. She rushes forward, grabs him, and then kind of like throws herself backwards and throws him up into the air with both arms into the tree behind them. Yeah. And the way it's shot is great. Yeah, she's a tough gal. I love the shot of Pete like looking up, like following Bronson as he's supposedly flying in the air. (laughs) And then what does Bronson say? I'm dobbing. I'm dobbing. I'm telling dad. Judo's only allowed for (laughs) self-defense. It's like, well, it was kind of because they didn't know who was there. Yeah, I felt like that was self-defense. Bronson is so adorable in this scene. I like his little war paint and everything. Yeah. Camo. (laughs) I think that the old man chompers is coming and he's like, take them. Give yourselves up. <laughs> this was a legitimate laugh out loud moment. Go on. You've had your lives. Yeah, you've had your lives. We surrender. I'm only just getting started. <laughs> and then it's a horse. I do love that. And Linda's like trying not to laugh. 
We surrender, Mr. Horse. <laughs> you can have the twins, Mr. Horse. I'm only just, just getting, getting started. started. <laughs> Bronson's like, fuck the lot is. <laughs> Bronson does the most dramatic, like, turn around. Yeah. Like, he's, like, facing away from them and turns around really dramatically. I've gone home. You've had your chance. Yeah, and it's like, that was easy. <laughs> what chance? What are you talking about, dude? Like, you just got here. You're leaving already? And they were telling him to go home. And then he's like, nah. Yeah, it's just so weird. It's like, why did you even come, Bronson? <laughs> you see a horse and you're like, well, that's it. I'm out of here. I mean, I guess he had also gotten thrown into a tree. Yeah, that's enough PTSD for one night. I'm not taking this shit. <laughs> I'm out of here. It would have been really easy for the writers to include Bronson in the whole story. But they said, no, we're going to focus on the older kids, have a little scary sequence. We'll have one funny moment with Bronson trying to tag along and then we're going to send him home. Yeah. It's definitely worth it for you've had your lives. I'm just getting started. <laughs> That was actually, the horse thing was a punchline to a personal childhood story of mine. My oldest brother thought he saw a monster in the window, woke all of his kids up. We're all scared. I didn't see it, but I heard my older brother scared and I thought he was serious. We woke up our parents. Parents were pissed off. My mom, very irritated. She says, all right, stay here. I'm going to go look out your window and show you that there's no monster. She goes into the room and then she screams, which makes me even more scared. But it turns out it was just a, a horse that got loose <laughs> looking through our window Aww. in the middle of the night. That's great. So this was probably the most scary moment in the show so far for you, Jeff. Absolutely. You <laughs> would have been like, that horse, it's back for me. <laughs> so they make it to the tip and they hear some loud noises. And again, they think it's the ghost. That big whatever it is just starts on its own. Yeah, the bulldozer. And so they run and they hide. They have the brilliant idea to hide with their heads inside of a broken TV. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that was very meta. Pretty fun visual gang. I like Pete holding the false teeth and saying, all right, ghosty, time to bite the dust while clapping the teeth together. Yeah. His little Looney Tunes thing did nothing for me. Yeah. Shelf flat for sure. That was one of a couple throwaways for me. Oh, here we go. Pete's a little hit and miss. I think he's got some good lines, but he's got a couple throwaways. Well, they can't all be gold. Maybe it would have been funnier back then when they actually made the show. Maybe not like an overdone joke yet. Yeah. I like that, although they're in this situation and they're all like, oh man, they just thought that they'd encountered the ghost, and but it was just a bulldozer. But he's still making jokes. Gotta get them laughs in. Yeah. Well, I do like that even when Pete makes a bad joke, he does it confidently. <laughs> it's endearing. So then they encounter the fridge. There's a tapping noise and Linda's like, what's that? And Pete goes, a fridge. And there's a fire going on in front of it. Are we supposed to think that the ghost started this fire? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I wondered that about that, whose campfire that is. It seems to exist purely for a confusing gag where the ghost walks through the fire and feels the heat of the fire. And gets burnt. Yeah, he's like, oh! Yeah, he seems, like, confused when he walks through the fire, like he didn't know it was there. So that makes me think that he couldn't have started it. It was probably just, like, some rando. You know, the ghost is fairly creepy and they, they did a pretty good job of making this somewhat tense and scary. That's fun that you think they did a good job making it creepy I, to me like it seems like the whole intent of it is that it's just supposed to be comedic the whole time like this is just a really goofy ridiculous ghost <laughs> he's just he's just a silly old man it is goofy and it is ridiculous but it was unnerving in a way that dead ned was not dead ned was unnerving for the wrong reasons <laughs> this ghost an old guy it, it seems like he wants to kill the twins he's asking for his darlings he's chasing them i thought it was fairly well done fair enough yeah i can see that yeah yeah, I thought if I didn't know how it ended, I would have been pretty terrified by that ghost. Yeah. But it's like when you know the ending, it's not as scary. It's just like, look at this, look at this idiot. But then the raft, man. What what was going on with the raft? Yeah, how can he walk through the raft, but he gets blown by the explosion? The ghost is affected by the elements. So he's affected by fire. He's affected by wind. Huh? Science, bitch. Science. <laughs> they had to have known there's no way we can make this look not terrible. Somebody should have spoken up and said, let's not do this. I love this shot of the exploding raft for the poor quality of the graphics of the show that we've seen up to this point. I actually think this shot is fairly well done. Like the shot of him kind of landing on the other side of the pond. It doesn't look that bad. It actually is pretty good. Yeah. You know, I'll give you that. The landing actually does look good. Yeah, it's like a believable 
gets clearly done on like a blue screen or something, but it looks like he's actually landing on the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how can he hit the ground if he can walk through the rough? Shouldn't he just go through the whole planet? Yeah. <laughs> he goes through things when he wants to go through things. Come on, Jeremy. This is science. Science. What don't you get about this? <laughs> All right, fair enough, mate. <laughs> I wrote that it was clever of them to bring a blow-up raft to get to the skull. That's what I wrote. I wrote prepared. But then they just run right into the pot. Well, they weren't counting on getting chased by a ghost. <laughs> yeah, you can't plan for that. I mean, they should have because they know that ghosts exist. <laughs> he is telling them not to run. Don't run away. But they're running and they go into the water. What exactly do they think he's going to do, though? Probably shove him in that fridge. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> That's what your grandparents did with you, is it? <laughs> but also the grandpa seemed pretty uh, ticked off when he got blown up by the exploding raft. It's like getting a little irritated at their antics at this point. Oh, yeah, he was kind of annoyed. He's like, for fuck's sake, mate. I would have been pissed. They run into the water and Pete climbs this pole and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? He's got to get that skull, man. Yeah, and he gets to the top and it just falls over. I was like, well, you could have just pushed it over by the looks of it. <laughs> it seems like he hits the ground pretty hard. Yeah. yeah. It's not a great night for him. <laughs> it's like face first right into the dirt. <laughs> Ow. But uh, yeah, then the ghost comes up and... And Pete's got the teeth and he's like... Back off. <laughs> I never would have thought to use that as a weapon. He thinks outside the box, that Pete. Yeah. And then Chompers grabs the teeth. It's like, gotcha. And he leaves this yellow, misty, sparkly, magical mist on his hand. Me darling. Yeah, we find out that's what he means by his darlings. His teeth. I owe you kids a big favor. And that's when Pete realizes they're kindred spirits. <laughs> he was like, I was trying to get my tooth back. You just wanted your teeth back. That's right. They hug. I like how the guy is like, I didn't want my grandkids. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> that's a great line. Oh, those brats. I don't care about those brats. Which, if Gribble's story about this ghost is true, that's a really dark thing to say. <laughs> yeah. I don't give a shit about my dead grandkids. The ones that drowned in this very pond that we're standing <laughs> yeah. next to? Yeah, I don't give a fuck about them. Great line. I definitely laughed out loud at that. Good one, Chompers. Old Chompy. And then Pete gets a favor from him. So he cashes in the favor that the ghost offers. Yeah. And shows up in Grib's bedroom. Grib's bedroom. Yeah, how do they know where? Where he lives. They know where everyone lives. Cribs, who has a Slayer poster. Yeah, Slayer and an Iron Maiden poster. Metal. Because he's a bad guy <laughs> and metal is evil. And he looks like he's really enjoying his sleep. Yeah, he's very cozy. He's content with his life. Also, why is his light on? Because he's scared of the dark. Oh, he's going to be scared of the dark soon. If he's not already. <laughs> so old man Chompers drops the skull on his bed. And he's like, this is a present from Pete. Unless you read the subtitles. Then he says, this is a present from me. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. The subtitles are weird here as well. Daddy. Daddy. This fucking ghost, he picks it up again, drops it on the bed again. And he says, and this is a repeat. <laughs> which is beautiful. Beautiful. Pete and Linda are like, good job following the script, Chompers. Well done. <laughs> Yeah, like in that moment, you know that Pete told him what to say. Yeah, that was a really satisfying thing in the book as well, I feel like. A repeat. A repeat. Daddy. Daddy. This is my favorite. Mr. and Mrs. Gribble come in <laughs> and Mrs. Gribble sees the skull and, and faints, faints on top of Gribbs. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he just falls on him. She's like, rising damn. <laughs> I like that Gribble fainted too. Yeah. <laughs> oh my godfather. Oh my godfather. Oh my godfather. Oh my godfather. <laughs> that seems like something my dad would say too. Yeah, that sounds like something that my mum would say. I also like how Mr. Gribble's pajamas, like they aren't buttoned up properly and his tummy's hanging out. Like it really looks like he's just like quickly put his shirt on. <laughs> you know why? It's because Mr. and Mrs. Gribb's been fucking <laughs> disgusting. So we go back outside with Pete and Linda and old man Chompers. And Pete's like, here's a toothbrush, mate. And then Chompers like puts on a weird voice. He's like, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> I was like, why did he just suddenly start talking like this? Well, he sounds more fancy after he puts his teeth in. Yeah. So once again, he goes to heaven. <laughs> yep. Off into the air. Bling. 
Now he's a star. Do we get a, an episode of all the ghosts that we see in the show in heaven? Is there just like a full heaven episode where just all the ghosts are hanging out together? Wouldn't you like to know? I mean, every episode so far has had some kind of ghost being reunited with some sort of object and then going to heaven. It sure has, buddy. Get ready for a lot more of that. Yeah, I'm assuming that the uh, the mysterious music we've been hearing, it turns out that's all the ghosts just playing those instruments in heaven. <laughs> every episode, there's another an instrument added. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The band gets bigger. <laughs> <laughs> so we've got our final part of the episode now. It's uh, the next morning at school. And I like how Fiona and Linda are already like best chums, like walking together. They're chatting. It's because they have a mutual disdain of the patriarchy. <laughs> and don't we all? Yeah. And I like how Gribble's friends like have no idea. They're like, oh, where's the steer's head, mate? Like, where's the skull? Pete's like, ask him. And Gribble's like, Looking away, he's like, oh, no. Gribble's got nothing to say. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, if I was Gribbs, I would have, like, denied anything happened. Yeah. I would have just been like, nah, man, you didn't do shit, <laughs> and you have no way to prove it. Yeah, but he's permanently scarred. Yeah. I like how they actually give him money because he, like, won the bet. I was like, wait, this was a bet? It was a test. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was just to get out of getting thumped every day. That's very generous of the bullies. Yeah. <laughs> very diplomatic. They have a code. You proved us wrong. Here's all of my money. So we get what's become old faithful freeze frame at the end. Ah, uh, yes. I always like during the final bit of the scene, the music comes in and you're like, yeah. Yeah. We better get like a jumping high five freeze frame at some point. <laughs> Maybe we will, Josh. Maybe we will. High five. There's got to be a high five in every episode. <laughs> <laughs> I've written down different scenes in the credits that I noticed. They've shot an alternate bit of when Tony looked in on the kids in the morning when they're getting ready for school and it's got Pete shining a shoe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and um, there's different takes of Tony falling into the bins. <laughs> yeah, with him just crushing the bins. Not falling into it at all. Yeah. That was fun. And then there's another one with Bronson at the front of the class with Miss James, like as if she's introducing him to the class because he's the new kid. And I was like, fuck that shit. Oh, whoa. I remember being the new kid. Who wants to be singled out? Jesus. Leave me alone. <laughs> all right, let's read it. Out of 13. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 13. Who's gone first? You. Who remembers what the last episode's ratings were? I think I gave 6.5. I went 7 for the first episode, 6 for the second episode. Oh, I was the opposite. I think I was 7 and then 8. You were, yeah. Mm, yeah, I think I was 7 for the last episode, 8 for the first. Well, I'm going to give this one... I'm going to give this one nine little darlings out of 13. <laughs> nice. Because it was a lot better than I remember it being. I think I just always think of it as being like not quite as good a ghost episode as Skeleton on the Dunny. But then I watch it and I'm like, oh, yeah, it has all like Mr. Snapper and Faye and whatnot. Yeah. Because I always just remember the like Paul Jennings story that it's based off and not the actual character stuff. It kind of feels like this is the episode where the show kind of starts properly because we see all the school and all that stuff. All the everyone's. Yeah, I think that contributes to why Maz maybe found it so nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah, because it's like, oh, I remember all these peeps. How about you, Maz? Me. Um, What are my feelings and thoughts and ideas of this compared to? I would say I like it better than Skelly on the Done. Yeah, I'd probably go with nine. Nailed it. Nine false teeth. <laughs> I'm going to give this one 10 <gasps> bagpipes out of 13. Whoa. I like this one quite a bit. Yeah. There were multiple scenes that I actually laughed at. Like, I thought it was pretty amusing consistently. Even the bits that were really crazy, like Linda throwing Bronson up into the tree. <laughs> it's so ridiculous, but it was very entertainingly so. That's really funny because there were a couple of moments that were so bad for me or just so awkward. And I thought at one point, I can't rate this any higher than the other two episodes. So I was going to give it a six. Whoa. And then I rewatched it today uh, with my daughter. And I, I thought, you know what? There's some very funny moments. Going to go with seven. And then as we talked about it today, I'm liking those funny moments enough to actually go up to eight <gasps> Shakespeare soliloquies out of 13. <laughs> good one, Jeff. But yeah, a lot of good stuff here. And my daughter did like it, said she really liked the plot twist 
with darlings being the false teeth. <laughs> and uh, she also laughed at the classic Tony Twist trash can pratfall. <laughs> oh, and who wouldn't? So yeah, good stuff. Uh, also, how did your talk with her re-racism following the previous episode go? Um, Damn, he didn't even. Oh, he didn't even do it. <laughs> All right, I see how it is, Jeff. <laughs> I wanted to give it a few more episodes and see if there's more racism that I could... <laughs> Surely now's the time to have the conversation because then when it comes up in later episodes, you can say, remember that talk we had? She'll end up having it with you. That's right. (laughs) You know, I'm going to have her listen to this podcast. She's going to hear what you say. It'll be fine. Yeah. Being raised by podcasts is the new being raised by TV. Yeah. All right, Maz, where can people find us on social media? You can follow us at Untwisted Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you've got any Around the Twist stories, if you've got any comments about stupid things we've said. <laughs> um, Hate mail for Josh or Jeff. Yeah, but not for me or Jeremy. Not for us, not for the Australians. Um, so you can send us an email at untwistedpodcast at gmail.com. Should we also say that if you want to watch Around the Twist, the entire show is on YouTube. It's on YouTube, it's on Amazon Prime. Or you can get DVDs. It's on YouTube for free, uploaded by the production company, in fact. It's like an official YouTube channel. It's called Twisted Lunchbox. The official channel of the Australian Children Television Foundation. Yeah. I was also going to say for the email address, I'd love to hear people's actual personal ghost stories. Or hell, stories about horses. If you've ever been scared by a horse, let (laughs) us know. Also comment on our Facebook page. Get some uh, public posts going on there. Start a little community. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a bit more interaction. So what's the next episode? The next episode is the Cabbage Patch Fib which is just a cracker. Cracker. Cracker of an app. Mr. Cracker. (laughs) See, I don't think I've seen that one very much. Based on its own book. Yeah. Yeah, this is a separate story. All right. Well, I'm excited. I'm actually starting to get invested in this show enough that I almost wish I could binge it. I know, me too. (laughs) But I'm not gonna. I have been feeling that also. I would love to just binge it again. Same here. I watched the title card for The Cabbage and I, I really wanted to keep going and I couldn't. I had to stop myself. Like me last week. (laughs) Without giving too much away, it is a Bronson episode, so you know it's going to be a fucking cracker, mate. Yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Bye, my darlings. My darlings. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. This is The Rising Dance signing off. (laughs) Daddy. Daddy. (laughs) Daddy.